Okay, folks, the next two episodes are going to be big ones, and I really want you to get as much value out of these as you can. We have Todd Toback, and we are going to go from beginning to end, from getting a property under contract all the way through disposition. This is a must listen, and there are so many lessons here that I'm not going to take away from them. So tune in, buckle up, and implement what Todd is telling you today. You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. Okay, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. As soon as your uh, podcast bookers reached out to me and asked uh, for you to be on the show, and I went, heck yeah, uh, Todd Toback is on the call. And Todd, I really appreciate your time. And if you haven't heard of Todd, um, you, you're likely uh, living under a rock because I, I can't say enough about Todd and, and some of the advice he's given on some of the podcasts I've caught him on. Um, and thankfully enough, you can now hit him up on his own podcast. It's called No Limits Real Estate Investing Podcast. Make sure you find that podcast, subscribe to it, because anytime I've heard you on another show, Todd, I've always come away with another piece or a nugget that I, I try to incorporate into what we do. Um, but Todd has been in real estate for 19 years. I think you've done over a thousand transactions. I mean, this you have the experience and, and uh, really appreciate you giving me the time today. Well, I'm excited to be here. And uh, if you're listening to this, uh, we're going to give as much as we can to you. So let's get ready to rock. So, you know, we, I talked when we, before we hit record, I talked to that said that there's a lot of people that listen to my show that are relatively new to real estate investing. And obviously the first thing that comes to mind is that they're going to do some wholesaling. And I really kind of wanted your perspective and now that you've been doing this for as long as you have, like, what are some of those things that people need to get their mind right, right off the bat? Well, um, now after 19 years, you know, it's funny, every time you think you know it all, you realize you know nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I, I think one of the things that I've realized is that uh, you have to be in this to play the long game and you have to be in this to play the short game. Right. So you want to take a look at where you are, your journey. So if you're just getting started and you don't have a lot of money in the bank, and let's say you're not a high income earner, I think wholesaling is a phenomenal place to be. Mm-hmm. If you are a high income earner, and let's say you're earning $150,000 to $200,000 a year, uh, perhaps you shouldn't get distracted with wholesaling and you should start buying income producing properties right away. But since you asked me about the wholesaling and spe- uh, specifically, uh, the number one thing about wholesaling is that wholesaling is more to do about marketing than real estate, right? right? So if you're out there, you know, this is all about generating leads. It's all about closing those leads and selling them for maximum profit. That's it. You know, it's not mm-hmm. about being a property expert. It's not about, you know, understanding neighborhoods perfectly. You're trying to go and meet with someone who has a problem. You're trying to lock up that property for as low as humanly possible. You're trying to control that and then sell that for a maximum purchase price. And if you get away from that, 
right? If you try to overcomplicate this with a ton of tools and, you know, all these ninja tricks and, you know, I've got to hit this market or go virtually or non-virtually, it's like, don't do it, right? It's like the people who make the most amount of money, we can get into specifics here in a moment. The people who make the most amount of money in this business do not over overcomplicate this. They understand that their most important job is to generate leads. Then it is to close those leads and then to sell them for maximum profit. And that's it. And in, in that order, <laughs> right? in that order, right? The other part about this is that I don't care where you're at. If, you, if, if you've got negative $100 in your bank account right now, uh, or you've got $5,000 or $10,000, you can do a deal, right? You can be extremely resourceful. You can use your own cash. You can use credit card cash. You could partner with other people to fund your business. I don't care where you're at today. Okay, We are going to help you do your first or next wholesale deal on that show on, on this by listening to the show, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So let, let's start from the beginning then. What, you know, you said to find that deal. Like I think what a lot of people, especially, uh, you know, especially who are getting it into the first time, it's almost become romanticized as if it's a quick get rich quick scheme of some kind, this concept of wholesaling. And uh, there's a lot more work involved in that, wouldn't you say? Well, just like any other business. I mean, the, the one thing that I've realized is that, um, you know, if, if you get into any kind of business, it's all about generating leads and closing those leads and, 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 and exiting, right? But mm -hmm. wholesaling is fun because it's a high price point and you can generate a larger margin. And so, mm -hmm. hey, this is work. But if you're going to work and you're going to do this, you might as well do it with a piece of real estate. Right. And sure. so um, you're going to have to get out there and, and work and grind if you don't have any money. Uh, if you have money, then you may, you can use some of that money to uh, buy your way out of the hustle. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. But, but uh, there, there's certainly work involved, but you know, you have to generate leads. That's the key in this business. So if you're going to, uh, if you're totally broke and you want to knock door to door, or if you want to get out there and cold call, or uh, if you want to go out there and send text out to people, and if you're brand new, those are all ways that you can reach to, uh, reach out to people who um, who who have a property for sale, mm -hmm. right? So you're going to have to generate those leads. You're going to have to pick up the phone and talk to people, and you're going to have to screen people and help someone who has a problem. So sometimes they'll get an email and say, "Todd, how can I make this seller do a deal with me?" How can I make this seller sell a property to me for below market value? Well, I can tell you we've done uh, probably over 1,200 transactions now. We've never uh, dragged a seller over the finish line, right? We never bought a house from somebody who didn't want to sell, right? Mm -hmm. We never bought a house from someone who didn't have a problem for us to solve. And so at the end of the day, it's all about marketing to those people and creating opportunities and then getting them over the finish line. You know, that that's... There's been a couple things already that I need to point out. One of the things is that you started things off saying, let's not overcomplicate things um, early on, talking about all the tools and stuff. And, I, and I've run into quite a few people who do exactly that. They, they get, it's, it's part of their analysis paralysis, if you will. Mm -hmm. They feel like they got to get all these processes and, and tools and everything in, in place. They, gotta, they spend hours setting up Podio or, or what have you. Um, but in the end, you're focusing far more on the activity and the actions that's going to generate any kind of leads, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the more time you spend in front of your computer, the less money you'll make. 
Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny. I watched my dad growing up and he had these telemarketing rooms and he's like, oh, he used to call the computer idiot boxes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And look, I mean, we've never been more powerful, but we've also never um, had the opportunity to be more distracted. So I remember one of my mentors before they actually had CRMs. I mean, it's funny. I used to be the young guy in this business, right? But mm-hmm. um, I used to have 30 folders and those 30 folders represented every day of the month, right? And don't get all complicated. Like what about February or what about the months with 31 <laughs> days in it, right? I had 30 folders. And if I wanted to follow up with someone and it was the first, I'd put it in the 15th folder. If it was the 30th, I used to put it on the 30th folder. And these are the leads that I used to talk to. And on the day of the month, I used to pull out the folder and call somebody on the lead sheet. And that was just as effective as all of these tools every day. And so if you're wondering what CRM you should use and uh, or you don't have the money or you're not tech, go get 30 manila folders, write one through 30, okay? Start calling people, have a piece of paper that you have the seller's information on, okay? Mm-hmm. Write it down and start calling. I mean, if that if that's you, you have no excuse. <laughs> um, you, you know, that the, the, the tools can certainly distract you. And people ask me uh, what my favorite CRM is. There's a lot of them that I would recommend, but the most important thing is, is the one that you're going to use. Right. Right. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. And I've heard of somebody else using a similar tactic and that's extremely effective. I mean, like you said, if there's no money involved going down to the basic level of, of using folders, I mean, that's ingenious. Mm-hmm. So you you said you never you've never dragged a customer or someone over the finish line. That is that leads me into some of the very unique ways in which you seem to talk to some of those sellers. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think there's a lot of emphasis on convincing people to do something, but in the in I really would like to spend some serious time on talking about how you feel we need to be talking to these sellers. It almost seems like we're in some, we're in sales, of course, we're in marketing, of course, but we're not in the game of convincing people of something. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's interesting. So I'm going to tell a quick story. And uh, about four or five years into the business, I realized I couldn't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. So I hired a guy through a family friend. I didn't know uh, anything about hiring or who to hire or how to hire, but he was a, a family friend and a friend of or my, my friend's brother-in-law. And his name was Brian. And he came to my office and I said, okay, Brian, you know, here's the telephone. Here are the leads. Uh, just get on the phone and close the deal. Mm-hmm. And Brian was, uh, man, he was bad. I mean, he was bad. I heard him. He was trying to convince sellers. He couldn't get two words out of his mouth. He was begging and chasing. And these sellers were just running the other direction, right? Just like, uh, you know, your your puppy runs out the door, your dog runs out the door, you start chasing and it runs down the block. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm thinking after six weeks, this isn't going to work, <laughs> right? I'm just like, man, you know, this hiring thing, ugh. And I had a, a mentor and he's like, Todd, you know, obviously you had a mentor, right? I, I, uh, I didn't know anything about sales. I, I'm actually naturally really introverted. Um, but I had a mentor teach me and his name was Derek. And uh, he, he guided me through uh, how to talk to people, uh, actually selling Viagra, if you can believe that. Uh, yeah, I had long. seen that in your, in your bio that you used to uh, sell Viagra before real estate. Yes. <laughs> and so he taught me how to talk to doctors to uh, get them to uh, basically ask their patients 
if they were struggling with any kind of erectile dysfunction, right? It, it was an interesting sale, right? Because you think that mm-hmm. it would be really, really easy, but really doctors were uncomfortable talking about it um, with you. And they were also uncomfortable talking about it with their patients. So that was really, it was a great, great job. I had a, a mentor who taught me a lot and it really helped prepare me for real estate. Um, but going back to, uh, um, you know, Brian, you know, my mentor said to me, Hey Todd, listen, you got to get out what, what's out of your head. Right. And into some kind of repeatable system. Right. And so we took it and I, I, I mapped it out and I wrote it down. I said, Hey, there's some basic things that we do right? To basically flush out the motivated people from the non-motivated people. And actually, this is the basis for my no limit selling system. I talk a lot about it on my podcast and you can check more about that on my website. But one of the things that we talked about when, um, you know, Brian was there, as I said, look, you know, we're not trying to convince anybody. We're not trying to get anyone to do anything they don't want to do, but it's very important that you find the people who have some kind of problem or a situation that they need help with. And that you put them in one bucket, and then you take the people who you have no chance of doing business with, and you move them out of your life, right? We're not going to beg those people. We're not going to talk to those people. And you're also going to keep your chest out, and you're going to be proud of what you do so that you like talking to people, so that you're not begging for the business, from the motivated and the Mm non-motivated. And so we started to do that. And uh, so I I, I started coaching Brian, and basically... uh, long story short, after three weeks of doing this, Brian got his first deal, right? It was like $42,000, right? A couple of weeks later, got another one, another one, another one, another one. And Brian went on to make me millions of dollars, right? And I can tell you that creating that system, both inside and outside of organizations was one of the best things that we've ever done. Now, getting back to um, you know, finding the, the motivated, the non-motivated, one of the things that we use is uh, a technique called a stealth. And by the way, if I, if I go off course or too deep, let me know here in a second. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. But one of the things that we use a uh, big is uh, uh, it's part of the five communication techniques. And one of those is called the stealth mismatch. Okay. Stealth mismatch. So when you talk to a seller um, or let's just say you're at a car lot. Okay. Pretend you're at a car lot and you're there and you are actually looking for a car and the salesman walks up to you, right? What do you naturally do? You uh, say I'm just looking. Why? Because I don't want to feel the pressure. But what are you doing at a car lot? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, right? I get your point. You're, you're looking here. So the thing is, is that no matter what, you know, no matter how motivated someone is, there's a portion of people <clears throat> who are going to say, I, I don't need to sell. I'm not desperate. You know, they're not going to tell you the truth because it's just a defense, defense mechanism. We can make fun of those people all day long, but we all do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And frankly, when people get a postcard or a text in the mail, they're not dumb. They know what we do. They know that what we, we buy. And we've never uh, pulled the wool over anyone's eyes and tried to convince them their property is worth more than mm-hmm. it is. And that's the fun part about this business is I love hitting people between the eyes with honesty. You may not like me, but you respect me. Mm-hmm. Right. You may not, you may hate my offer and you don't want to take it, but you trust me. Right. Right. And so that's what I always tell the people. I said, your job is not to please people. It's to get them to trust you, right? And they're Mm going to like you. So long story short, I said, whenever you go to a seller and say, hey, listen, it sounds like you need to sell fast, or it sounds like you're in a jam, or it sounds like your son who's been living in the property for five years, rent-free, it sounds like you want to get him out. It's just like going to a car sales, going to a car lot. They're going to automatically retreat from you. So your job is to get in there and dig in and find that truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they call it the stealth mismatch because you're, 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 it's, it's stealthy, 
right? But you're also saying the opposite of what the seller is saying. So for example, one of our favorite kind of properties is when a seller is living in a house rent-free and you know the mom or the sister or the aunt or the grandfather own it, right? Mm-hmm. And so we'll go out and go, hey, look, you know, you've been really, it sounds like you're a really generous person. It sounds like, you know, you might be just better off keeping your son in there. You know, I mean, you know, you've done it for six months. Why not just keep him in there and keep being, you know, a great grandmother, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when you go that way, even though I want to buy the house and I think he should be out, that's when they un- unload and they say, there's no way he's going to stay in the house, <laughs> right? That SOB, boop, 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 you know, <laughs> right? And that's when you can start to dig this out. So that's one of my favorite techniques. Or if I, if someone says they're not in a rush, I say, great. Good thing is, you know, y- y- you can hold on to this property for the next six months, fix it up and get top dollar and just wait for the market to turn around or go up. Mm. And I'm going to try to flush that out. Does it work every time? No, but it works a lot of the time. And so we're always using the stealth mismatch there. We're training our acquisition specialist to do that. By the way, when you use this, when you have a system, if you're brand new, when you've got a system of talking to people and you practice and you role play and you know your posture and how you're going to communicate, your confidence goes through the roof. Goes through the roof. You know, that's, that's something that's always been, you know, I've been in sales roles throughout my career and and that's always something that I found that I've always, I I just hated going through those role-playing that, that training, but in hindsight, I can't agree with you more. Doing it definitely has a positive impact. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny about the role-playing because I don't think anyone likes it. People think they're better than they are. I mean, I even think I'm better than I am sometimes, right? And so sometimes with an acquisition specialist, we'll get them in front of somebody and they'll be like, I know the system. And I'm like, okay, well, let's role play. And all of a sudden we do it and it's like, oh man, woo, we need some work, <laughs> right? And so this is a, if you're in the wholesaling business, you're in the business of sales, right? You, you are in the business of communicating with people. This is your craft. You know, let's not pretend like you're a real estate expert if you're wholesaling. And that's okay. You can make mm-hmm. a lot of money, but this is a communication of business. You generate leads, you close them. Because to me, generating leads is actually the easy part. The second part is the communication, which is your craft, right? And that's why right. you know I, I'm so hot on that. That's I talk a lot about on, on the podcast. I created the system. And you know, I'm I'm if you focus on this, you're gonna be able to use it in an area any area of of real estate, right? You can Use it for wholesaling and generate quick cash. But when it's time for you to get those cash flowing properties, or you're going to hire employees, or you're going to recruit people, or you're going to build a business, this communication stuff is really, really, really going to help. Mm-hmm. You know what's what's funny is that once you get used to it, because the way I do things is very similar to the what you're you're talking about there when I'm talking to sellers. But I find that I start using it in other situations too, mm-hmm. or especially when I was early on. I would uh, I would role play, if you will, in other sales scenarios where somebody was trying to sell me something, and I would start to try to change the conversation. So this was like a year or two ago. I was looking at a car, for example, and we were driving, and I was starting to ask questions of the of the of the dealer, like how how imp- try to get understanding of how important it was for him to sell the car, what. By the end of our little test drive, I knew like how he was incentivized, how he was, 
how, how important that particular sale was going to be to him. Um, and it, it was uh, allowing him to talk himself into giving it to me in a lower cost. I mean, that is, that is phenomenal, right? And if you're going to, by the way, joust with a car dealer uh, or car salesperson, just know that you is a good chance you're going into the, uh, the arena with someone who's superior than you. Right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The, the, and I thought the, it was a good test. Like, oh, a good phenomenal. Test I, I mean, <laughs> I, I just love that. I mean, you're going to the arena because, you know, wholesaling is not that mature of an industry. Right. I mean, these auto dealers, they are, uh, I think that's a great place to practice. Um, you know, I, uh, I, that's phenomenal. I think one other place to practice too, just to gain your confidence in this is go where you don't, really don't care. So for me, I, my kids, they love to buy um, stuffed animals, right? I mean, they're those like mm-hmm. stuffed animal maniacs. And then my daughter, she collects these little toys called Littlest Pet Shops. Oh, sure. Um, do you know what those are, by the way? Yeah. Well, my do- my my kids are like uh, climbing into teenagers now, but my yes. my daughter used to collect those things too. Yeah. So she's into them. So I said, uh, so she goes to the garage sales to find them, but I said, hey, you know, when, when you go to garage and, and, and if you're an adult, I was, I'm always practicing, I'm always having them practice their negotiation skills, right? And I say, mm-hmm. hey, look, if you guys negotiate at the garage sale here, I'll give you 10 minutes of extra screen time um, on the iPad <laughs> or whatever that is. But when you go someplace where you don't care, where you have nothing on the line. So for me, you know, uh, sometimes I'll do it when I'm with them, right? It's a, it's a good way to kind of play loose, right? Where you're not tight or worried about losing a deal or worried about losing the car, where you can just practice in an environment where there's no pressure. So I highly recommend doing something like that if you want to go to a car lot, right? When you're not looking to buy a car so you can practice a garage sale, but it's all about getting in those reps, right? Repetition mm-hmm. is the mother of skill. Yeah. No, that that's awesome. And what I, I what I really like and what I really want to point out to people is that concept that we're not convincing anybody of anything. They're coming to you because they know what you do already, mm-hmm. first of all. And um it's it's almost I almost at this point find it entertaining because when I talk to other wholesalers, um the concept of even mentioning alternatives to the seller is beyond them. Like mm-hmm. one of the one of the questions that I've learned to ask is this sounds like a great property. Why don't you list it with a realtor? As if they've never thought of that before. Like people people are afraid to use realtor in any kind of sales pitch, but I typically find that far more revealing and far more of a way to find their pain point than any other question I ask. Oh, completely. I mean, that is so awesome, right? I mean, that that, that you understand that. I can tell you that you can never really kill a deal. Right. And when you say listing with a realtor, sometimes you're shocked that you would say that. Right. But they're thinking it. Like I said before, I've never, I've never bought a house from someone who thought it was worth a ton more than it was. I'm sorry, who thought it was worth a ton less than I than that I bought it for. Right. And so when you start to pound these out, the number one killer of a new real estate investor is them spending time with unmotivated sellers trying to like mask themselves. So sometimes you'll have newbies like pretend like they're going to live in the property mm-hmm. or pretend like they're going to fix and flip it, you know, or they're going to pretend like, you know, they're going to, uh, you know, sell it to their brother and sister. Like, is it the seller's more likely to sell it to them as a discount? You, you Be brutally honest in a lot of ways. Now, I don't need to tell them everything. I don't need mm-hmm. to say, hey, I'm going to buy this house and I'm automatically going to sell it on the same day and make 40 grand. I don't need to say that. But what I can say is, listen, I need to buy this. I'm going to sell it quickly and I need to make a profit. 
if we can come to the meeting of the minds, let's do business. But if you want to earn top dollar, I'm, I'm not the guy, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that, is there a reason for us to continue the conversation? Yeah. Right. And, and then that, that, that line there alone should be in everybody's arsenal because I, I mean, it, it really gets to the chase into the matter of things. Mm-hmm. So this brings me to my next point. Okay. And this is the second of the five communication techniques that I talk about in the, uh, a lot of the podcast and the no limits sales system. So and before we jump into that though, I just, I, I'm, I'm already losing track of time and I wanted to make sure that you, you guys definitely have to make sure you subscribe to Todd's podcast, go to no limits, real estate investing podcast, because his podcast is chock full of these tips and you're just getting the tip of the iceberg here today. But I'm sorry I interrupted you, but you're going you're gonna to go into your second stage of communication. So the second stage of communication here is verbal commitments. All right. This is where you got to separate the wheat from the chafe. And if I had to, uh, or I don't even know how to pronounce that right, but you got to separate the wheat from the chaff, whatever, uh, however they pronounce that. Um, you know, it's really important. If you think about sellers who sell to us, they're natural born procrastinators. Right. If you're behind on payments, you've kind of put your head in the sand, right? And mm-hmm. let this thing go on. If you're behind on taxes, same thing. If the house needs repair, you know, you haven't dealt with that, right? If you've right. got a family member living in there. So you have to notice a pattern here forming. Really proactive people don't necessarily get into these things, right? Mm-hmm. Or someone now is unable to deal with it. So our job now is to move these people, or more importantly, have them move themselves in the path that they want to go. And that's either with you or the or in another uh, direction. And so what I'm trying to do here is you want to shorten the sales cycle, right? And the sales cycle is the time from when you speak to them to the time that they sign the contract, right? And so you want to mm-hmm. get that as short as possible so that every month you're earning as much money as humanly possible and you're also not wasting time. And so most people do not know how they are going to arrive at this decision if they're natural born procrastinators. They'll say, I'll talk to you later. Call me next week. I'm going to talk to my husband. I'm going to talk to my wife. And so a lot of times, you know, you're going to run into the laydowns, by the way, people who are really motivated and want to do business today. And mm-hmm. believe me, who doesn't love a laydown, right? right. You know, <laughs> but your business does not run on that, right? You know, you're going to get three or four of those deals a year, and I hope you get a ton. 90% of your deals are going to come from the follow-up of people who you spoke to 60, 90 days ago, um, or a year ago, or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so our job is to shrink that cycle by getting verbal commitments at the end of every phone call. So what I train people to do is I say, at the end of every phone call, you should also have a date and time that you're going to speak next. But more importantly, more importantly, dig really deep on what you both are going to do between now and the next phone call to take that next step in the process and define that with radical clarity. So that you go from a static position to now moving towards doing business with you or, by the way, not doing business. And so I always define that and I pull away. I say, Mr. Seller, so let's get into a situation. Actually, do you want to do a role play? Sure. Let's pretend like you've been kicking down the can down the road. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I've been calling you for, uh, I don't know, two months. And you're like, hey, my daughter is living in the property rent free. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. 
and you've been kind of telling me, you know, I- I'm going to talk to my talk to my uh, daughter here, and you're you're kicking me, and that's but now all of a sudden you've listened to this podcast, and uh, or I've listened to this podcast, and I'm like, okay, I'm now going to change the scenario. I'm going to go from I'm going to think about it to now I'm going to push this lady to a decision. Okay. okay? So while we role play, do me a favor, like you know, be that old person, but now kind of play along, right, and mm-hmm. see what I'm doing here, and then become that that character. Okay, does that make sense? So don't be. You I'll know, I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, my Great. acting skills need some work. Uh, okay, um, ring ring. Hello, uh, is this Mary? Yeah, this is Mary. Hey, Mary, this is uh, Todd Toback. I know that we spoke last week about. Uh, me buying your property, and you were gonna uh, you were gonna think about uh, you know what you were gonna do with your daughter and if you were gonna sell to me or not. Yeah, I remember you. Oh, great. Well, you were gonna talk to your daughter. What happened? Well, it's 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 been kind of I haven't I haven't gotten to it. Okay, let's stop the role play for a second. Okay, what just happened? Is what many sell. I mean, you've been in this game a long time ago, right? You hate those phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> right? I hate them too. So what we have to do now is create a pattern interrupt, right? We have to change this, this pattern of what this person is going to do here. All right? So watch how, number one, I'm either going to try to push you away or I'm going to try to now shorten the sales cycle. Okay, so let's okay. jump back in the role play. So Mary, um, is it okay if I'm very blunt with you? Oh yeah, okay. Of course. Have you thought about just keeping this property and just leaving your daughter in there? Yeah, but uh, I know she's really doing some damage to the place, and and I just don't really want to. I don't want the hassle anymore. Okay. Well, would it be fair if you know I set kind of a path for us to either maybe for us to move forward, or if we're not a fit? kind of also define that path also and just say, Hey, you know, we're not a fit. Is it okay if I kind of just set a path for us? Yeah, I I guess, I guess we can chat about that. Okay. So what has to happen for you to be able to make a decision with your daughter to tell her, Hey, listen, you know, I'm going to sell this property 100% or not. You know, what is that very next step that you think has to happen for you to talk to your daughter? Or make the decision of selling us the house with your daughter in the house. Oh, I don't know. It, you know, I really, I, it's my family, but, but uh, I just know that I, I'm going to need that money that's sitting there eventually. And I know that it's just, it's just getting, it's just going to be kind of a worse scenario if we, if we keep this going. So what's holding you back at this point? Oh, just, I guess the confrontation with my, with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And what would help relieve that confrontation? Somebody doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're saying you actually want someone to do that for you. Yeah, that would be, that would be helpful. So I was not expecting you to say that, but let me ask you this. And I'm not sure if this would be a fit or not, but let's say you and I were able to come to terms on price right? And we put it on paper and opened escrow and title. And I was able to talk to your daughter, right? With that, and, and you wouldn't have to have that conversation at all. And I actually bought the place and, and she wouldn't even know until the house was sold. Would that be a fit or probably not? Yeah, I, I, I guess that would, that would, 
I'd still be worried that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm selling the place out from under her and she's, she's surprised by it. And now she's out on the street, but I, I don't know what else to do right now. Okay. Well, how could we eliminate that? Cause I totally understand where you're coming from. I mean, I have my own kids and I, I get that. How could we eliminate that, that, you know, that worry about you not giving her any kind of notice? So, well, I, I guess, I guess we would, we'd just do exactly that. Give her, give her some sort of notice. Okay. So, I mean, again, this is, you know, this is, uh, you know, your bus, you're driving it, right. Would maybe, would you want to give her like, you know, a, a 60 day deadline to maybe buy the property from you or tell her she's got to move. And then if she didn't, you know, you, you, you just tell her that you're going to sell the property. Would that be a fit? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds reasonable, at least to me. Okay. So what would be the next step? Do you want to talk to her this week and tell her? Yeah, I think I can do that. Okay. So why don't I do this? And are you, are you sure you're comfortable with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's time. I I don't want to put any pressure on you. You know, again, if you don't want to do business with me, I just want to let you know it's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. No, I, I think, I think that's, that's reasonable. Okay. So why don't we do this? What day do you think you want to talk to her? Actually, she's coming over for coffee tomorrow. Okay. Um, would it be okay if we talk tomorrow at eight o'clock and then you agree that you'll give your daughter notice about selling and then tomorrow you and I'll get together and, and what do you want to do then? I, I guess that's, that's up to you as do you need to see the place or, or what, what has to happen next? Yeah, I could, I can meet you in person. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Well, I'll talk to you tomorrow at the house at 8 PM. Sure. So what just happened? You, uh, you'd convinced them. They basically talked themselves or, or went through that mental roadmap on their own. Mm-hmm. What I really liked about the way you staged those is you gave repeated options on, on them making that verbal agreement to continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of chances for me to step out if I chose to. Right. Now, the interesting part about this is this is a dance. So there, you notice there's a lot of pressure, but I also have to relieve that pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, right? You know, so like, I feel it's kind of like those Instapots, you know, I don't know if you, if you have an Instapot, but you cook rice in them and you have to release the pressure when it's cooked. So when I, when I feel like I'm putting on the gas, which I am, I say, look, if this is not a fit, you can just tell me no. And I keep going back there once I add pressure and then I release. I add pressure and then I release, right? And so then you get to that point where you're right, though you said it 100% just so smooth, is that they she convinced herself and verbalized mm-hmm. that. And then I tried to pull it away and she goes, no, I think it's, um, I think it's time. By the way, I could tell you, you're really good. You're, you're, you're probably really good with the over 65 crowd. Just I can be, I can, I can, I can chat with them for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the second communication take. And I can tell you that those are two of the, two of the five that we'll address here today, but I'm, um, you know, if you just master those two, right. And, uh, you, you just master those two, you're going to do just so much better. You know, the other part about this though, is generating, you got to have the power to be able to walk away from a deal. 
mm-hmm. right? You can't be chasing it. And so you got to uh, generate leads, right? And when you have leads and you're doing lots of follow-up and you're not just looking for the low-hanging fruit, eventually you're going to build a pop- pipeline that's going to give you the confidence to say, hey, listen, you know, I'm not going to chase you. If you want to do business, great. If not, that's okay too. So leads plus skills plus habit, you're unstoppable. Yeah. Wow. I, this, is, this, this has been amazing, uh, the amount of information you've already given in this show. Um, and I, I think we could, have, we could probably go another 40 minutes or more talking about once you get a, once you get a property under contract, what do you do with it? Um, because there's, there's, uh, I know you have techniques and strategies regarding s- disposition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I hope that maybe you would consider coming back on the show and we can talk maybe about that. Yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to do a part two. I had a, a lot of fun today. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I love listening to your, some of your demeanor. Um, you know, so I'd love to come back on the show and we can talk about dispositions on another day. Yeah, I, I, I would really appreciate that. Um, again, uh, before we go, I usually close and, you know, I feel like I were, we're kind of stamping on the brakes here, but I realize how, how much time I've consumed of yours. Um, is there a question or a concept that I haven't asked about regarding, this initial getting a property under contract and, and talking to sellers that you think we should have covered here today? Well, the one thing, you know, uh, for me, I'm a, a big proponent of sales, right? And so I, I know that the people who understand this make, you know, make money, right? And the people who grow their business understand that it's about working with other people who are going to do sales with them, right? You know, hiring a team eventually. I mean, you can make a lot of money as a solo operator in this business, right? So if you're just a one-man show and you're like, I can't even think about it, I mean, you can make a ton of money in this business, but you know, don't get caught up in the values and ARV. You know, go out there, and all you have to do is find someone with a problem, mm-hmm. right? Spot that, categorize these people, have a system to follow up, and then lock that property up for as low as humanly possible, right? And then go, and then try to find a way to exit from that property. You know, you're going to sell it, or you're going to keep it as a rental, or you're going to fix it and rehab it. I don't care which one you're going to do. Obviously. I've wholesaled a lot and, and, and I've also bought and sold a ton. I've bought and held, but it's about the deal, right? And mm-hmm. if you're unsure of like, is this the right deal? Or did I get this low enough? Just, just negotiate it as low as you can, right? If, if you go on the market and you see that your house, you got under contract for lower than anything that is sold in the market, start there, right? Get out there, mm-hmm. make some mistakes, talk to people, lock something under contract, and sell it for maximum value. And if you and, and, and if you make a mistake, that's okay. You can always go back to the seller and renegotiate. We try to avoid that. You know, um, we, we try to avoid that. But if you have to, you can. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, man, I, you know, I think I've got about four more minutes. There's one thing that I'd like to talk about um, that I think separates people who make a lot of money from people who don't. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So the one thing is um, the people who make money in this business or break out or have some kind of breakout move, uh, moment where they get to that next level. We all have this income thermostat, right? And this income thermostat is basically uh, the, how comfortable we are with the current level of income that we're making. So for some people, it's 10 grand a year. Some people, it's 50 grand a year. A lot of people, it's for 50 grand a year. Um, you know, 100, 250, 500 million, $10 million a year. 
And what we do every day depends on whether or not our income is above or below where our thermostat is set, our internal thermostat. Mm-hmm. So if you're making 75 or 100K a year and that's where your thermostat is, you're not going to go out and you're, you're not going to talk to people. You're not going to go out and you're not going to sharpen your skill. You're not going to bust through barriers, right? But you notice a lot of people that are on this income roller coaster. Well, it's not like the business isn't on a roller coaster. It's that they're on a roller coaster, mm-hmm. right? Where they're going out and they're taking action. Uh, but the long story short is because they've made an amount of money that they're comfortable with right? That previous month. And so when they hit that thermostat, that level, they stop the work that made them successful, right? They stop making the calls. They stop making offers. They stopped role-playing. They stopped, you know, meeting with people and making that happen, right? And so what happens when their income falls? Thermostat goes on. They start doing the work. Income comes up, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. And then all of a sudden the thermostat goes off again. Mm-hmm. So here's my, one of my, my recommendations to you is you want to set a level of income that you really want to get to, right? Something that's above your comfort zone. So if you're making hundred grand a year and you want to get net, net a million, you've got to put that in a place where you see that every day. You want to write it down and you want to say it out loud. I'm making a million dollars a year net in my pocket. And you want to say that every morning and every night. Now, this is not some magic juju, Right, that happens. Not like uh, the whole thing about the secret. What happens is, is that when you say this out loud, it creates tension. Right. John Maxwell talks about this. It's called the law of the rubber band, Mm -hmm. and it creates tension from where you are to where you want to be. And because you reminded yourself of that, you now are uncomfortable saying you feel like a fraud. You're like, oh, I'm not there. So you go to work every day, and now your thermostat turns on to a level now where it's not used to turning. Right. And you start changing your habits and your routines and how you think and what you say. Mm-hmm. And so you always want to be working on that thermostat, pushing that level. And when you get to it, you got to change it again. You got to change it again. And so I use that by affirmations. I use that by looking at how much money I'm making every single month or uh, how much equity I built uh, in, in my uh, property. And again, so if you're, if you're out there and you're uncomfortable and you're trying to, you're a newbie, you're trying to do your first deal, you've got to get really uncomfortable from where you're at. You've got to get angry and frustrated and just like, you know, oh, and that's when the change is going to happen. That's where you go out there. You're going to drop the money and, and get some leads or cold call and make that happen. Or if you're going to dive into the sales system and learn this and talk to people, get uncomfortable, get angry, run towards something where you want to be. Okay. And I guarantee it's going to change your life. Wow. Talking about an ending. Uh, I have to uh, make sure everybody heads over to the podcast again. No limits, real estate investing podcast. Todd Toback, what a stellar mo- time I've had here with you today. I really appreciate it. And and uh, if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, shoot you an email so we can do part two regarding dispositions. Love to. So thank you, sir. All right, talk to you soon. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated along with a like, share, and review. 
It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.